to Romans, Romans chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, hallelujah, praise God, hallelujah. We're going to start right at the first verse, hallelujah. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our, our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Father, we appreciate your word. Your word is a lamp onto our feet. Your word is provided to give us examples. Your word is enlightening to our souls. And Father, this morning, we are needy people. We need to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to the church this morning. Lord, would you move mightily upon us would this word be a word in season? Would you open our minds and our hearts to understand what the Spirit's saying this morning? Father, give us a heart that's open to you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Could I ask you a question? Why did you come to church this morning? Because you love Jesus. You know, <clears throat> normally the people that we love, we seek to please them because we love them. And I believe that most of you came here because you love God and you seek to please Him. Now, whether or not we are pleasing to Him, that's another thing. But I think that most of you have a heart after God 
or you wouldn't be here this morning. Most of you have a desire to please God, and uh, I just have a desire in my heart. I want to please God more in my life than what I am. Oswald Chambers said, if we are devoted to a cause of humanity, we shall soon be crushed and brokenhearted, for we shall often meet more uh, ingratitude from men than we would from a dog. But if our motive is love for God, no ingratitude can hinder us from serving our fellow men. A lot of truth there. If you are just teaching Sunday school or you're just uh, whatever your ministry is, and every one of us should have a ministry, whether it's, it's uh, teaching uh, missionettes or, or uh, teaching a youth group or whatever our ministry is, every one of us has a ministry. Every one of us has a part in the body of Christ. Every one of us should be open to be used by Christ in the church. But if you're doing it to please a man or to please men, like Oswald Chambers said, you're going to get awful discouraged. Because men, like he said, you get greater gratitude from a dog. <laughs> My dog is quite grateful when I do something for her. But there is dogs that uh, will give you a lot more gratitude than people. Amen? I think that we should seek to please God. There's some who all they seek is to please themselves. And Paul was talking to that problem here. He said, we then who are strong, and I believe that's talking about we who are strong spiritually, doesn't necessarily mean that you're strong physically. But we who are strong ought to bear the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. We ought, you know, there's a lot of things that I know I ought to do. Sometimes I just have to get myself by the nap of the neck and make myself do it. And I think that we look at truth in the Word of God and there's things that we know that we ought to do. And we just fail to do it because we fail to get a hold of ourselves and say, this is what God wants. He said we ought to bear the failings 
of the weak, it says in the King James. That we ought not to please ourselves. You know, we live in a world today that's self-seeking. Self is on the throne. Even to the point where they neglect everyone else. My rights, my feelings, doesn't matter whether it hurts someone else or not, it's whether or not it hurts me. You see, everyone is doing what they feel like doing. Did you get the word feel like doing? We can't always do only what we feel like doing. Sometimes I come to church and I don't feel like being nice. Sometimes I come to church and I don't feel like being sociable. Sometimes I come to church and I don't feel like worshiping. But I have to get myself by the nap of the neck and say, this is what God expects. And do it. We've become so pleasure-oriented that some of it has crept into the church. And I'm not talking necessarily about this church only. I'm talking about the church universal. I believe that this pleasure orientation has gotten into the church where all we want to do is be entertained. And <clears throat> that's why when you, normally you have, uh, uh, as we're going to be having the sure foundation come, and uh, you have all these beautiful singers up here, there's going to be nine of them, and they're going to be ministering in song. You don't have any trouble getting a group together. But when, when you ask someone to come and to pray, you're not going to get half as many in this church as should be here. Because we want to be entertained. We don't want to work. We don't want to be a part of it. We just want someone to minister to us all the time and, and instead of ministering. And here Paul is saying, you've got to stop looking to be ministered to. You've got to, if you're strong, if you're really spiritual, you've got to stop running to every meeting that comes down the pike, and you've got to be a minister. You should bear them that are weak in the faith. You should help them that are weak in the faith. You need to, uh, to uh, help people to grow in the things of God. 
You need to bear that burden. Hallelujah. We've got a work to do. Bearing the burden, not only of the weak, but of one another. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> the Amplified Bible for Romans 15, 1 reads like this. We who are strong in our convictions and of robust faith ought to bear with the feelings and the frailties and the tender scruples of the weak. We ought to help carry the doubts and the qualms of others and not to please ourselves. You know, it's so easy to, when someone's weak in the faith, rather than building them up, it's, it becomes easy to, to talk about them. Boy, I'm telling you, what a, this brother, he does this and he does that. Instead of talking about it, we ought to bear that burden. Amen? This brother's strong, and he needs someone to lift him up. He needs someone to carry him. He needs someone to teach him. He needs someone to pray for him. Amen? Hallelujah. I, I guess what I'm trying to say this morning is, I want to see more compassion. More compassion for one another in the church. More concern about one another in the church. Not just on Sunday morning or on Wednesday. Paul said, when one member of the body hurts, we all should hurt. When one rejoices, we should all rejoice. There should be such a relationship between us that we feel one another's discomforts as well as their glad tidings. You know what I'm saying? And I just, I don't see the compassion in the church of Jesus Christ that I'd really like to see. Well, I want to thank all those women that, that uh, provided meals for Lee's family this, while, while Mary was recuperating. But that's just one for instance. There's so many ways that we can show compassion and love for one another in the church. Amen? Hallelujah. Romans 15, 2 here shows us that this was the concern that was on Paul's heart. He said, let each of you, each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. And that word edification means building up. Try to build one another up in the faith. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if people got on the phone instead of, uh, instead of uh, uh, complaining or, or something, they got on the phone and say, Joy, you ought to hear what I just read in the Bible. I am telling you, it
it gave me such an uplift. And you begin to, to tell about what you just experienced with God. And, and, and it might be just a thing. Maybe, maybe she got up this morning and she felt terrible. And she needed that uplift. Amen. We can do that. We can edify one another in the body of Christ. And we should. And then in verse 3, Paul here gives Christ as the example in this area. He said, For even Christ did not please himself, but as it was written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Did you hear what I said? The reproaches of them that reproached you fell on me. Oh, if we only had that kind of a relationship, that when someone talked about you, I'd hurt. When someone talked about me, you'd hurt. Because we are one in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? And that's, that's the example. Jesus is the example. And when someone talks about a child of God, Jesus hurts. In fact, he caught Paul on the road to Damascus, and he said, Paul, Saul, Saul, why dost thou persecute me? He wasn't doing anything to Jesus. He was persecuting the Christians. And because the Christians were being persecuted, Jesus said, you're persecuting me. And God wants us to have that kind of a relationship in the body of Christ that when one of us is talked about or one of us is being persecuted, that I take it personally. Wow. Praise God. We need to pray that God would make this church that close-knit. Amen? When I read that, I, I, I just rejoiced in that. Can't you see it now? When, when we're so close together, I can remember when my wife and I were we're going, uh, just going together, that after a while, I almost knew what she was thinking. Amen? Anybody ever experienced that with their partner? You anticipated what they were thinking. And when, when, they, when they were sick, boy, you, you were almost sick. And that's the kind of relationship we should have in the body of Christ. When we see a sister or brother broken before God, brokenhearted because of the world situation, we ought to cry with them. Amen? You know, it's not always the fact that you open up the Bible and you say, Thus saith the Lord God. And, hey, they know what... A lot of them know what the Word says. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just put your arm around them and cry with them. 
They already know. They just want someone that they feel understands. Amen? Hallelujah. We need that. We go week after week and month after month. Sometimes we think nobody understands. And that's a shame when it's a, a per child of God, someone that's in the church that may go week after week without feeling that anybody, nobody understands me. Nobody understands where I'm coming from. Nobody understands what I'm going through. So we need to, there's a sense in where we need to, to think of others and please others rather than ourselves. Sometimes we're going to have to go out of our way. But there's also a chance uh, or a case where there's people that all they do is want to please others. Go over to Ephesians with me. And chapter 6, in the fifth verse, it says servants. How many here are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we've got a few that are servants. What's the rest of you? Let me ask it again. How many here are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ? All right. <clears throat> so we can take this as talking to us personally. Servants, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. A lot of times we balk at those God has placed over us. Amen? And it says here that we're not to be men-pleasers. Now, I already talked about how we should please one another, not ourselves, over here. There is that sense. But there's a, a sense where you don't want to be a man pleaser either. You, you've got to please God first. And I can't, you know, motive is all important. I can do a lot of good things, but with the wrong heart motive. The motive with which you do something is so important. And I, I can tell you, I've already told you that we need compassion in the body of Christ. And, and if, you, if you're going to do it just to please Pastor Rook, forget it. Do it for Christ. See, don't do it just to please me. Because that would be a man pleaser. You, you're not doing it to please me. You do it to please God. Okay? Look at Matthew chapter 5, 
Matthew chapter 5. We'll start reading at the verse 43. It says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say, now that's a different story. But I say, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who uh, despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may, and here's the reason you do it, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, because of what he just said, therefore, I got something else I want to say. You shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward. If you're doing it just to be seen by someone else, don't do it. Because if you're doing it to be seen by someone else, that's the reward you're going to have. If you're doing it for Father, then you're going to receive your reward some other time. You're going to receive it in heaven. He says he'll reward you openly. God has many ways of rewarding us. But the question is, where do you want your reward? Do you want it of men? Or who do you want it from? Do you want it from men or do you want it from God? Where do you want it? Do you want it here and now? Or do you want it in the hereafter? And there's a lot of people, well, the pastor didn't recognize me. I don't know why I bothered to teach that Sunday school. He never says thank you. Amen? If you're teaching it for me and you want thanks from me, that's all the reward you're going to get. But if you're doing it for God, you see the difference? And going back to the compassion that we show in the, in the body of Christ, if we're just going to have compassion in the body of Christ, what are we doing any more than anyone else? It says we're to have, we're to love even our enemies, those that despitefully use us, those who talk bad about us. You know, then you've got a reward coming because you are doing more than is expected of you. Amen? It's easy to love those that love you, but try loving someone that isn't so loving. Amen? <clears throat> uh, 
Matthew 6, 1 in the NIV says, be careful. In the King James, it says, take heed. And whenever you see that, realize that God is putting out a warning. He could, he could just say, warning! I've got something here that you could fall into. Instead, he says, take heed. Be careful. Warning! Hypocrisy is easy to fall into. Over in Mark 8 and 15, he uses the same words, be careful. And here Jesus is uh, uh, warning them that, uh, against the yeast of the Pharisees. And they said, oh, must be because we forgot our bread. He said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hypocrisy. It's easy to fall into hypocrisy. A false type of love. How many have seen a false type of love in church at, at times? Come on, now be honest. Just superficial. Amen? Have you ever seen it? God wants that which is real. James talks about the same kind of problem. We went over it on a Wednesday night here. Uh, we, we talked about two men come into the congregation. One was dressed in a suit and tie, and, and uh, he, he had, on a, had on a big old ring, looked like he had uh, uh, really made it in life. And... Uh, the pastor said, well, come right out up here and sit right here and have the best seat in the house. This other guy come in and he's dressed in rags and maybe smelled a little bit and, and uh, didn't look too good. And uh, the pastor said, uh, I just don't want him on my pews. Let's see, what can I do with him? Would you stand over there by the wall or uh, maybe sit up here by my feet? And James says that's hypocrisy. It's a respect of persons. Yet how many of us have seen respect of persons in the church? When we gather in our own little gatherings and we forget about those that come into our midst. Preferential treatment to them that we love with a, a true heart in the church and some that have come into the church and we show them no love at all. Just lip service. First Peter 1.22 and the King James says, See that you love one another with a pure heart. With a pure heart. That means pure motives. 
not because of what you're seeing with your eyes, just that, that love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And you just love with the love wherewith Jesus Christ loved you. That's what, that's what we need to see, amen? Not just with words. It's easy to go up and say to somebody, I love you, brother. Amen? But you know, there's some ways of speaking that speak much louder than words. You know, people, when they come into our midst, have got to sense that love is real. Amen? Hallelujah. That is coming from the heart, a pure heart. Above all, do it for Christ. Are you doing it for Christ, or are you just doing it begrudgingly? You know, that's the difference in giving, too, you know? You can, you can give all kinds of money, but if you're doing it begrudgingly, it really doesn't mean anything to God. And you can go and, and do some loving things to people, but if it isn't because of the love of Jesus, a pure motive, I just want to love that person for Jesus' sake. See? Ah, oh, that makes all the difference. The motive. The motive. Hallelujah. Not just men pleasers. Not just because Pastor Rook said that's the way it should be. Not, not just because that's the way it was taught to you. But because Jesus wants to love people through you. Last of all, there is those that are seeking to please God. And I hope that that's the case with every one of us. Over in Hebrews 11, talks about Enoch. In 11 verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was translated so that he did not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before he, his translation, he had this testimony. What a testimony, too, that he pleased God. He pleased God. May that be every one of our testimonies. Amen? that we please God. In Genesis 5, in verse 24, it just says there that Enoch walked with God and he was not because God took him. Over in Amos <clears throat> 3 and 3, it says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And of course, the answer is very obvious. You don't, you don't walk with people you disagree with, most of us. There must have been a harmony and an agreement between God and Enoch. There must have been an obedience there 
when God said something to Enoch, I just believe Enoch responded immediately. That's the only way you can walk with God, is in obedience. I think that Enoch made that his number one priority in life, to please God. And I want to tell you, that is... That should be our number one motive. I want to please God. You know, how many of you would make that commitment today? I want to please God. You know, make that your number one priority. I want to please God. I don't want to pour splash cold water in your face, but once you make that commitment, look out. Look out. You're going to be tested. You're going to come into conflict. You're going to come into conflict with the world and with the flesh and with the devil. You're going to have a fight on your hands. Let me give you a for instance. David, he had a heart he had, uh, that was uh, after God. He had a heart that God recognized as a heart. Uh, how, how does it say it in the scripture? David had a heart after God. And David was doing fine. And all of a sudden the flesh got a hold of him. And he committed adultery. And he committed murder. And he lied. He deceived. And he had to repent of all those things. The moment you set out to please God, you're going to have opposition. Peter and John, they wanted to please God. And the first thing that happened was the Sanhedrin took them and warned them, don't you preach anymore in the name of Jesus, took and beat them. And, and they said, well, whether it's right to listen to, to you or listen to God, you be the judge. But as for us, we cannot help but preach these things in, 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 uh, that we've seen and heard. Amen? They were committed no matter what the opposition that came against them. We're running out of time, and I, I got a couple of more scriptures. Let's go to Galatians 1. Galatians 1.10. Paul says, Do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men... I would not be a servant of Christ. So there's a sense in which no matter what others are doing, you can't listen to them. You've got to put God first. There's a sense in which we must love one another, but there's also, and we've got to put love men, and we've got to serve men, 
But there's a sense in which you have to put God priority. You know, if it comes in conflict with, with uh, your, your relationship with God, don't do it. Not just to please men, right? If it comes down to whether it's your way or God's way, you've got to do it God's way. And I want to tell you, once you've made that commitment to please God, sometimes it can be a lonely walk. Because narrow is the gate and straight is the way, or straight is the, uh, narrow is the way and straight is the gate that leads to everlasting life and few there be that find it. You're not going to get crowded off the road. There will be times when you're the only one. But we have to... We have to make that decision. And Paul was one that made that decision. And we're going to close with these verses over in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. These are Paul's own words. He says, Demas has forsaken me. Having loved this present world, and has departed to Thessalonica. If you go on down to verse 16, he says, At my first offense no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Brother, there's times when you just can't depend on men. But I want to show you something. There is one that you can depend on and at times like that. Verse 17. But. I love it. I love it. But. Everybody's run out on me. But. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. But, everybody run out on me, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And if you've made that decision to please God, when everyone else runs out on you, Jesus will stand with you. Amen? And I think that the cry of my heart is that we make this decision today to, to please God. How many would uh, just stand and say, yes, that's what I want. I want to please God. even though you know it's going to mean opposition. I want to please God. Hallelujah. Remember, the opposition will be there. First, first thing you'll do is 
this evening when it's time to go to church, he's going to say, you're too tired to go to church. The flesh is just going to rebel against coming. Amen. <laughs> the flesh will come against you. The devil will come against you. But I want to tell you, it's worth it because Jesus will stand with you. 